This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Good morning. We want to shout out welcome home to Jesse and Kendra and Sheppy. We're so glad that they're back. Good to have them home from vacation. Sarah's on her vacation. And God, right now, we just lift up Sarah to you. God, would you bring refreshing? Would you surround her with your presence? God, would you provide for her strength? God, would you minister wholeness to her life? God, we're so thankful for her. In Jesus' name, amen. We're glad that you're here. Man, as I look out, I was a little bit nervous this morning going, is anybody going to come to church on this, this weekend? How many have extra days? Are anybody taking tomorrow off? Some of you are taking tomorrow off. So, hey, Good job for you. You came to church anyway. You could have you could have missed, um, and uh, we're glad. Thank you for coming. But I just want to shout out Union Gospel Mission Fun Run is next Saturday. Everyone say woohoo! Uh, if you have not signed up, go in and get registered. We're 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 trying to figure out how to get more people on the on the docket with that. I think we're actually going to convince our daughter to leave her our grandkids and push them around maybe. That's my hope. She doesn't know that yet if she's watching online this morning. So surprise, Sid, we're going to kidnap the kids. Anyway, uh, no, we want you to participate, and, and, and Rhonda is our team lead, and, yeah. and so it's like, if she has not talked to you yet, uh, bring a dog. Wow, okay. Uh, Anderson, you can bring your horse, you know, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> No. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad. You, if you haven't done it yet, please get on and register. It's going to be fun. We're going to just get together and, and walk through the course and, and laugh and, and be the last ones through because we're not running. Chris and Nick are going to run, so they're going to, they're going to, they're going to do the long run there. But anyway, we're, we're glad that you're here this morning. Bible 101. Everyone say it. Bible 101. We're in a series about the Bible, obviously, and I'm excited about it. It's something that, that uh, Ron, Trent and I have been passionate about in preaching, as well as it's guided our lives. And uh, today we're talking, we're, the title of our message is, Because the Bible is True, It's Relatable and Applicable. Everyone say relatable. Relatable, relatable and applicable. Everyone say applicable. So when we come back, we two weeks ago we did the foundation message on this aspect of if the Bible is true. If you if you missed that sermon, go on and watch it on YouTube, and you'll be able to see kind of the the information and stats and and convincing that we were able to present. But because the Bible is true, how does it impact our life? Because the Bible is true, as Christ followers. Uh, because we believe it's true, then we should be able to step into it with a different understanding and a different mindset. The goal of the series has been uh, to not tell you more from the Bible, but to teach and inspire you to learn from the Bible yourself. And I can tell you that we're already uh, winning this objective because we're getting lots and lots of comments, lots of, 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 of people come back going, man, I didn't know that, or man, this has been inspirational. I've gotten more into the Bible. How many can say you've been in more in the Bible than you have been over the last, last series? I hope so. I, I encourage you to do so. And our desire is that RLC would not be a people that just hear about the Bible on Sunday, but that would be a people who personally are using it and knowing the Bible Monday through Saturday. That you would actually step into it on your own. I think of uh, a few years back, many years back, not just a few years back, but how many have your Bible this morning? Lift your Bible up, would you? Whether it's on your phone or not, you can lift your phones up. It's, it's all right, too. But if you have your paper copy, you're more holy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> 
Just kidding. Uh, but I, I, I go back to, if, if you want to hold your Bible with you, because I, I, I'm going to do something here. Some of you, if you've been part of the church for a long time, Calvary Temple years ago, there was a, uh, a, a, a statement that we would make. And I was refreshed this week as I was preparing for this sermon. And I thought it was so important as I go back to these phrases that were there. Um, uh, so I, 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 I'm going to read it through. And then I would like, I don't have it on an overhead. I probably should have done that. But I, if you remember, it, I would, I would like you just to be able to quote it with me. If not, just hold on to your Bible and say, God, that's me, all right? But I wanted to read it to you. It says, this is, our Bi- this is my Bible. I am what it says that I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. I'll boldly confess the Word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. I want to do it again. If you guys can remember, if you can go and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. And today, come on, today, I will be taught the Word of God. I'll boldly confess the Word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same again. I love that phrase. I love that statement. And is that really what the the culmination of what this series is all about is that we want you to take ownership of this book. We want you to step in to go, no, this is my Bible. This is God's word to me. This is what what it says that I can do, I can do. What it says that I am, I am. You know, we sing songs about it in, in worship, but it's so important that we step in and realize it for ourselves. About a month ago, Trent and Allie borrowed our Sequoia to take the next gen, uh, Sarah and, and Jesse, on, on a trip over to Central Oregon. And uh, I had their truck, and today is a confession moment. Um, I didn't wreck it. Just kidding. Uh, I didn't do anything bad to it either, okay? This is more self-reflective. But I want to tell you today that I have a truck. I love my truck. I, my truck feels tough, and I like driving it. Uh, my truck is paid off. Right? Can everyone shout, off to, shout out to a paid-off vehicle? Right? My truck is paid off, but... Everyone say but. but. You know those but statements that come in the middle of stuff? But their truck is newer than mine. <laughs> their truck has newer technology than my truck does. It's got a better camera in it to back up. It's got a better stereo system. There's a lot more space in it. It's a crew max, and mine's just an extended cab. I can fit my grandkids or anybody in this truck that, you know, this crew max that they have. And uh, this whole thing is that I began to realize that I need an upgrade. (laughs) Do you ever feel that way? And in the process of driving something better than what you have or using something better than what you have, you kind of get this thing called dissatisfaction or discontentment. And you start thinking about going, well, what? Well, you know, I, I want a newer model. I want an upgrade. I can tell you this today. We live in an upgrade culture. How many of you like something new? You get the new gadget. You like the new gadget. You like what it has to offer. The advertisement comes out. It's the newest. It's the latest. It's the greatest ver- version of product X. It's available today. It's only X dollars, and it does all the cool things that you wish it could do. Act now, and product, product X will change your life. 
You know, uh, isn't that the truth? When we, we look at society today, we look at all the stuff that is there and we go, no, I want something new. This word upgrade, the definition is to raise to a higher grade or standard. To replace with one that provides better performance. Isn't that what our, you know, as men, isn't that our excuse? Honey, I got to get it because it performs better. It's just a better vehicle, you know, or the phone or the gadget. It's just a better performance. To exchange a possession for one of the greater, one of greater value or quality to trade up. And I believe that we become so conditioned in our culture to upgrades. We've been so conditioned to this idea that we've got to upgrade everything all the time. We upgrade our computers. We upgrade our mobile phones. We upgrade our flights. We upgrade our homes. We upgrade our rooms on our cruise ship. We like better. We like the idea of better. How many like the idea of better? And in this age of apps, it's connected us to everything. We don't even have to upgrade. It just automatically does it. The updates are there. This idea of updating and upgrading. What I've realized is that we, I, can be deceived into thinking that if I get an upgrade, it upgrades me as a person. It upgrades my status, it upgrades my identity, it upgrades me as an individual, when in reality, the item does not change me at all. All it does is produce a discontentment in me to go, I want the next and greatest thing. I want, I want what they have. But in our upgrade culture, can I tell you, not only do we look for upgrades in our items, I believe that somewhere we've looked for upgrades in how do we upgrade God. God, we want the latest version of God 5.0, not just 4.0. And I want you to realize today that in this mindset of our upgrade culture, we don't just want to upgrade God. We also really want to upgrade this. To come back and go, well, no, that's not really true. That's what it was. Is that really what it said? And in this mindset of, upgrade, of, of upgrading God's word, we come back and go, if I need it upgraded, then I really don't have to live according to what it says. As our culture changes, the question that we have to ask this morning, does the relevance of God's word diminish? As our culture is coming through this process of upgrade, 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 does the word of God need to be upgraded to retain its value? Does the Bible need a restoration of its verbiage? Even though culture seems to change, human nature does not change. The human condition does not change. And the reality is, is God does not change. We go back to Hebrews chapter 13. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ, everyone say it, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's the same. God's word declares it over our lives. And verse 9 is so telling. It says, but be careful. Don't get be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. That statement, if we have learned anything from Bible understanding over the last several weeks, that's, that verse of Scripture, verse 9, follows very closely to verse 8. It's not just an order. It's part of the section. It's part of the context. And Jesus is, the writer of Hebrews is saying, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't let anyone else convince you of anything different. Don't allow the strangeness of philosophy and culture to say you have to have an upgrade on God. There is no upgrade on him. He is perfect. 
Psalms 119 says this. God's word is basically talking about its relevance. It says, your word, Lord, is eternal and it stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Verse 91, your laws endure to this day for all things serve you. Verse 152, long ago I learned from your statutes that you established them, what, to last forever. 160, all your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. And so we have to come back and go, if the word of God is true, because the word of God is true, do we believe these things about the word of God? Do we believe that There is an eternal word that comes through this book, that it doesn't have to be upgraded, that we actually can take it for what it says to our lives. The word of God, my conclusion today is that it doesn't need to be upgraded, it just needs to be utilized. It needs to be put into action in our lives. It needs to be read, studied, memorized, and applied. It may have an old date on it, but can I tell you today that it's never lost its relevance, it's never lost its power, It's never lost its effectiveness in our lives. It just has to be utilized. The Bible is not something that spoke to what, not just something that spoke to what was, but can I tell you today, it continues to speak to what is. When we look at our lives today to go, does the Word of God apply to 2023? And my answer is yes, it does. Is it relevant for me today? Yes, it is. Is it relevant for you today? Yes, it is. It is the Word of God that is alive and is active. For Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this, for God, the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Oftentimes we stop right there at verse 12 and we go, no, let's tout this verse. Let's see the incredibleness of God's word. But verse 13 goes on, it says, and nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Many times we come back and go that all things are known to him. But what this passage of scripture is actually revealing to us is the power of the word of God in the human heart and in the human life. Meaning that humanity, you cannot hide your life from God. Once you step into the word of God, It's going to expose, and it's going to reveal, and if you allow it to do a work in you, it will change your life. Nothing can be hidden from him. The Center of Bible Engagement compiled an extensive research finding by Arnold Cole and Pamela Owego. In the study, they pulled 40,000 people ages 8 to 80. They wanted to see how people were engaging in Scripture. As they compiled the results, they made a profound discovery that, were not, they were, that they were not even looking for when they planned this survey. The study indicated that when people engaged in Scripture one time a week, which could include a pastor instructing the congregation to open their Bibles on a Sunday morning, that there was negligible effect on key areas of their life. The same result was true of people engaged in the Scriptures two times a week. The result equaled little to no effect. Three times a week, a small indication of life. There was a slight pulse, a faint heartbeat in individuals' lives that was different. The eye-opener happened when Bible engagement reached at least four times a week. A steady climb of impact would have been expected, but was not 
the case. The level was basically stagnant over days one and two with a small bump on day three. But what they found about people that were involved in Scripture four days a week were these stunning findings. Feeling lonely dropped 30%. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. Sex outside of marriage dropped 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. Sharing your faith jumped 200%. Discipling others jumped 230%. The research literally leaps off the charts. The findings hammer home the truth that there are profound differences between people who engage the Scripture at least four times a week and those who engage with the Scripture less often. Integral to these findings is that people who engage the Bible one to three days a week indicate basically the same effect on their personal lives as those who do not engage at all. What I want you to hear, though, is this, 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 this declaration from this study. They said the deceptive reality is this, that those who are looking at their Bibles one to three times a week can feel good about their activities without any sustainable results. They think that they're being good Christians, but their lives are no different than the people who aren't Christians at all. The reality is with lack of consistent Bible engagement defined as at least four times a week, Christians have less confidence in sharing their faith. I could go on and finish out the rest of this article, and I, I, I'm cautious to even bring it today because oftentimes we can go, okay, great. All I have to do is read the Bible four days a week, and I'm going to be different. Anybody here box checkers? You like to check the box on things? I'm a box checker. To go, okay, I just have to do four days, and I'm good. Can I tell you, you can still do four days and not engage your life in it and not be changed. The result of the reality of this is not so much, yes, I don't want to take away from the findings and the facts of this study, but the hope, the importance of this is that you would engage in God's Word, not just engage on a Sunday morning, but engage personally on your own. President Ronald Reagan pointed to the Bible and said this, indeed, it's an indisputable fact that all the complex and horrendous questions confronting us at home and worldwide have their answer in this single book. D.L. Moody, a famous 19th century uh, Chicago pastor, said, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to change our lives. Billy Graham said this, let the study of the the Bible become central in your life, not just so that you will know it, but that you will obey it. Today, our challenge, today my challenge is to come and go, because the Word of God is true, It is relatable to your life. It is applicable to your life, and it can actually bring transformation to your life. It can actually do something so supernatural that you would stand back and be amazed. How many literally can honestly say you have been changed by the Word of God? You've been changed by the Word of God. The Word of God has done something in you. Is it something because you chanted it over your life? No, it's because there's supernatural power in this book. There's supernatural understanding as you apply it to your lives. Famous people can tout the Bible, they can tout God's Word, but a man who wrote the majority of the New Testament, Paul, wrote a letter to Timothy, and I want you to open to 2 Timothy with me this morning, 2 Timothy. It actually is our series 
theme verse, but I want to actually come and unpack it today. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul, if you remember, is an apostle, and Timothy is his son of the faith, and he is writing a letter to Timothy. Many speculate and believe that Timothy, at this writing, is the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Timothy was young. Timothy, uh, people, commentators speculate that Timothy had lost confidence, that he was intimidated and didn't know how to necessarily uh, address circumstances. And, and Paul, all through his books, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, is calling Timothy to a greater faith, calling Timothy to a greater confidence, calling Timothy to a greater uh, commitment to what we believe is the truth of God's Word. And Paul, as he's writing here to Timothy, he's, 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 he's making this statement that's not just to him, but applies to our life today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become, become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it. And how, you're, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Heavenly Father, today we thank you for the power of your word. And God, as we look at a very familiar passage of Scripture that many of us could quote or many of us can understand, and maybe many of us could even stand up here and preach today, God, I pray that we would not uh, be calloused to the truth of this passage of Scripture. God, that we wouldn't step into it based on, I already know this, but God, would you enlighten to us new truths today? Would you hope, open our eyes and open ourselves to a greater understanding of what it is you want us to receive in Jesus' name? All Scripture is God-breathed. A couple weeks ago when we talked about this, we stepped into point one. Point one is all Scripture is God-breathed. And Paul was emphatic to Timothy. It was not like, it was not like well, you know, you know, Timothy, you know, well, some people believe that it's all Scripture, you know, or Timothy, you know, maybe all of it is inspired by God. No, Tim, Paul's coming with an emphatic statement. He's coming with a dec declarative uh, statement. And I don't know, some of us in this room are declarative people, and some of us are not declarative people, and some of us are actually bothered by declarative people. We don't like their adamacy. But can I tell you today, Paul probably would have offended you because Paul was very adamant in his statements. Paul came and he says, Timothy, all Scripture is breathed by God. He's not saying part of it. He's not coming up for debate. He's saying all of it is. Yes, we gave the foundation of it a few weeks ago, but I want us to understand this this morning just very briefly. Because the entirety of this passage of Scripture pivots around this phrase. This whole entire section, all the way, going all the way up to verse 10, all the way down, Paul is talking about the Word of God and the impact of the Word of God in individuals' lives, his life and as well as Timothy's life. And he's going, the reason it has impact is because it's inspired by God. The reason it has power is because it's inspired by God. The reason it can change you is because God inspired it. So we have to come back again just for reminder, this word for inspiration or inspired is theonostos, which is God literally breathed. Theo being God and noustos, which is breath. 
It's that exhaling of air. Everyone do it. That's what, that's what Paul is writing here when he says the inspired word of God is that as the writers of this book, they were breathed upon, they were exhaled upon this air that was anointed, that was holy, that God used their personality, God used their ability, God used their, their writing skills, but it was anointed in how he gave them the words to write it. Because God has spoken this book to us, all the issues of life and death and, and eternity are filled with truth. All of them are there. It's settled within us. And that's why today when we come with this series, as we've been in this series, is that we want you to understand. We want you to grasp it. We want you to come to a place of believing it yourself. That No, this is inspired. And because it is inspired, it shapes who we are. It declares how we live our lives. The Bible isn't something just to stimulate my intellect. It's something that determines the course of my life. And what I want before we step into these next three points is I want you to stop at this very moment and I want you to pause and I want you to think for just like 20 seconds here and go, does the Word of God dictate my life? Does the Word of God dictate my decisions? Does the Word of God dictate how I function as an employee? Does the Word of God dictate how you are a husband or a wife? Does the Word of God dictate how you live out your testimony from day to day? I'm going to get a little politically incorrect here, but does the Word of God dictate how you vote for a candidate when we vote? Does the Word of God dictate how you vote for a measure that is coming up on a ballot? The Bible isn't something just to stimulate my intellect. It's something to determine the course of my life. Our passion, our desire is not just to tell you how to believe our desire is not just to tell you how to think. Our desire is to get you into the Word and allow it to shape how you believe and how you think. So point number two, if we believe that all Scripture is inspired because the Bible is true, I must remain faithful to it. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, but as for you, Timothy, I want you to continue. Everyone say continue. Continue in what you have learned. Some translations are going to say remain. Some translations say be faithful to. Uh, continue in what you have learned and have become, become convinced of because you know that from those, because you know uh, those from whom you have learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. If you look at the Greek rendering here, it's not just Holy Scriptures, it's actually sacred letters that we see, and it says, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. If you understand Timothy at all, Timothy was raised by a Christian grandmother and a Christian mother. And it says that as you were taught, as you, as you, this heritage was passed to you, you go back and you can look at their life and you can see how it shaped them let it shape you. That's what Paul is saying here. For, but as, as for you, continue in what you have learned and be con convinced of because what you've learned is good. Who you've learned it from is good. 
But the reality here that Paul was trying to get to Timothy was, Timothy, you can't live on grandma's faith and mom's faith. You can't just stand in the pulpit in Ephesus and preach a gospel and live based on what they said. You've learned it. Are you convinced of it? And that's the reality. That's just, that's just confrontation that you and I have to come into is we may have learned it. We may have gained knowledge. We may have understanding of God's word. But are you convinced of God's word? Are you convinced of what it says? Are you willing to step in and go, no, this is more than just a learning. This word learn is to gain knowledge, to learn information, to change perspectives, to acquire skills. You think about your life, when we think about God's Word, we empower our children in our classes, empower our youth and youth group to, to learn, to gain knowledge about God's Word. On Sunday mornings, you may be gaining knowledge about God's Word. But the hope here is this, that you don't just have a knowledge. You're not just learning about, that you are actually becoming convinced of. Because this word convinced goes from convinced to, to actually this term conviction. Conviction to have a strong held belief or an opinion. How many have opinions here today? How many would say, if your, your spouse were here, they'd say you're an opinionated spouse? I'm married to a very opinionated spouse, and I have no opinions at all. Wow. Now, if you know me, I have... Lots of opinions, and I have strong convictions about certain things, and I, can, I, I, I don't want to fight with you, but I'm always right, and you're wrong. But uh, convinced, to gain conviction over, about. Can I tell you what's happened, I believe, in our culture today? When we talk about biblical literacy, there are two levels of biblical literacy. One is knowledge, and one is conviction. We can come around and go, no, I know Bible. I know the Bible. I know the books of the Bible. I have Scripture memorized. But can I tell you that there's a difference between knowledge of learning and knowledge of conviction? It's not about just what I know. It's about am I letting it do something in my life? Much like faith without works is dead, Paul says, so theological training is pointless unless a person is motivated by it uh, to shape her his or her convictions and to make a difference in their life. The goal of the word is not to just learn about it, to be but, but to become convinced about it, that it impacts your convictions. Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. And I ask again, where are you convinced? What about God's word are you convinced of? Because if you are convinced about it, it will shape your life. Commentators make this statement about this, about this line of Scripture. They say that it is the single most significant sentence in all of the New Testament regarding the Scriptures. I mean, what a bold statement. Now, that's an opinionated statement on their part, but here they're coming to say it's the most single most significant sentence in all the New Testament regarding the Scriptures because what you believe about the Bible influences everything you believe and affects every decision that you make. What you believe about the Bible, Paul is coming and going, Timothy, yes, you might feel intimidated. Yes, Timothy, you might feel fearful of standing in front of this congregation. But Timothy, the scripture that you learned, are you convinced that it's true? 
Are you convinced about what it has to stay? Because regardless of what anybody else might say, you're convinced and therefore you know God is honored with your being convinced. And I think that's what we have to come back and realize that what you believe about the Bible influences everything about your life. What you believe about the Bible is going to shift you from reading it one day to two days to three days to four days to five days because if you believe the Bible... If you're convinced of it, you're realizing, no, I am desperate for this. I need this in my life. Number three, because the Bible is true, I must allow it full impact in my life. I must allow it. So here we come into verse verse 16, and it says, all Scripture is God-breathed. And we stop there. But I want you to go on in this verse of Scripture, and it says, it is useful. Everyone say useful. Turn to your neighbor and say, it is useful. When I think about this word useful, meaning it's relevant, it's not outdated. It doesn't need an upgrade. It's not worn out. It's useful. It's still useful for me today. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 7, he said that the wise and the foolish builders are going to build their, determine their life on how they're going to build their house. The wise man builds his house upon the rock, and he listens, he hears, and he obeys, and he acts accordingly to that. James chapter 1, verse 22 says this, do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. This process here going, is it useful? You come back and go, Pastor Kevin, I've read the Bible all my life. It's not been useful to me. Have you allowed it to do a work in your life? Have you allowed yourself to become convinced by what it says? Have you allowed yourself for it to come in and do the surgical work of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12? The great mistake is oftentimes our approach to the Word of God. If we're trying to just get through it, if we're trying to just check a box, if we're trying to just read it to go, no, I did it today, rather than going, God, I want you to read me. God, I need you to change me. Holy Spirit, as I sit down and read this chapter, as I sit down and read these three verses, Holy Spirit, would you show to me what I need to change in my life? This word useful means that it's relatable and it's applicable to our lives. If you have children today, Proverbs 22 verse 6 says this, train up a child in the way that they should go and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. If you're trying to figure out how do you handle your money today, Proverbs 3, verses 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. If you're wondering whether marriage is good or not, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says, The Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. The Lord God made a woman from the rib and he, that he had taken from the man and he brought her to, to the man. If you're struggling with temptation today, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. If you're struggling with wrong emotions today, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says, He will keep you in perfect peace, all who, but all who put their trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. If you're just struggling with general relationships today, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 through 3 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to make the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Maybe you're struggling with cultural tensions this morning. 
Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through, through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the Word, rather than according to Christ. We can come back and I can tell you the Word of God is useful to our lives. The Word of God addresses every circumstance and every situation. Personally, this week, I have been struggling with discouragement. Anyone ever struggle with discouragement in your life? Struggle with this attitude of feeling discouraged, loss of courage, dismayed. And I have to go back to the Word of God, my life verse, actually, Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Kevin, don't allow discouragement to over- overwhelm you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed. Don't allow the things of life to rob you of courage. Why? Here's the clincher. All those things are great, but the last part of this is where it's at is because God comes back and says, because I am with you. That's where the life is. It's not just him coming and going, be strong and courageous, because you can't work it up when you don't feel it. There's that discouragement that hits. And how do we overcome? Because God's with us. Can I tell you today that when you put your life and God's Word together, you have this cataclysmic event. When you put your life and your heart submitted to God and His Word, there is supernatural things that take place in your life. God's Word is useful. God's Word transforms. God's Word renews. God's Word encourages. God's Word breathes life. Paul goes on to describe four words of how useful it is. God's word, number one, teaches me truth. It actually tells me what is right. When we come back and go, well, God, I, I just don't know. What's the right behavior? What's my right action? Can I tell you the word of God already tells you what your right action is? He shows us what is right. The term here for teaching actually is, is a process of it's, it's um, but it's more than just the teaching process. The Greek emphasis in this passage of Scripture is teaches in truth. The emphasis is the truth. It's the content of the teaching. Can I tell you that not all teaching is equal? Not all teaching has eternal value. Now, you may grow more knowledgeable because you have a master's or you have a degree. You may get teaching because, now, students, go to school. You want to learn. We want you to be able to read and write and do math, all those things. But can I tell you that there's a value of teaching, and Paul is talking about the value of the right kind of teaching, the right content of teaching. The reality is this, the more you read and study the Bible, the more you hear it, the more, you're, the more you take it in day to day, is the more you allow God's truth to affect your life. The more you allow it to shape who you are. It's not an automatic process, but it's all about the content. We've heard the statement, garbage in and garbage out. Gold in, gold out. You put in the right content, the right content's going to come out. This what you sow, you reap. And what I've realized in my life is that reaping is, is always, always more plenteous than all that I can sow. You say, is that true? Can I tell you that I can sow? I can, I can read God's Word every single day, but am I, what, what's coming out of my life? 
I think about it this way. When you think about um, an apple, you can count the seeds in an apple. But can I tell you today that you cannot count the apples in a seed? We can step back and go, well, my, this apple has an average of 16 seeds. Can I tell you that that seed can produce an orchard? That seed is going to produce more. So when we step back and we understand the content, the right, rightness of this content is going to produce something in us, and it's going to be longevity. It's going to be something that grows up within our lives. Not only does it teach us what is truth, God's Word exposes my sin. It teaches us what's not, what's not right. And today I think that we as humans don't like to be told what's not right. We like our culture today that we're somewhere we might even go, well, no, we may need to upgrade God's Word a little bit because I don't like how that pinches my life. Well, God, you really, did you really say that? Did you really mean that? Is that? What's the context, God? Paul uses a word here uh, that's translated as rebuking, that it rebukes, it reproofs. Rebuking and reproof reveal not what is right in a life. It actually shows what's wrong in a life. It actually leads to what we call conviction, not convictions of, I have strong moral convictions, but that you feel convicted internally. When you read God's Word, are you pausing long enough to allow the Word of God to bring conviction to you? Is it showing you what's not right in your life? Is it showing you an error of thought? Is it showing you an error of behavior? It exposes. Reproof brings a convincing that how our behavior is, is wrong. And yes, it's the Word of God that's doing it, but can I tell you, it's the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit that's actually breathing over that, that has breathed over it, and has continued to breathe over in your life. God's Word teaches me truth. God's Word exposes my sin. God's Word corrects me. This word correction is how to get right. You know, I think about this, this concept of oftentimes we think of correction as this. No, that's the rebuking. The rebuking is this. The correction is going, let me show you how to be right. It's no, lo- it's no longer the correction of slapping your hand. It's going, okay, so you, I, I'm bringing rebuking to your life, and I'm going to show you what you've done wrong, but now let me tell you how to get right. Let me tell you the steps you need to take to do this right. Can I tell you that God's Word is filled with steps? God's Word is filled with truth that if we would step back and allow it to shape our lives. Correction builds on reproof. It means actually, when you think about, the, when you think about this and you see it in the Greek, it actually means restoration or reform, re, reformation of your life. That is correcting you on how to live. It's, cause, how do you, it's causing you to, to do something uh, to become correct. Scripture actually gets us back on track with God. It actually gets us back on track with how we are to live our lives, to walk out our lives. And lastly, God's Word trains me on how to live, how to stay right. Do you ever get tired of making mistakes? Do you get tired of that sin in your life that just haunts you? Anybody have those sins in your life that just haunt you, that, that, whether it's an attitude or whatever, and it, it pops its head in your life? God's Word trains me on how to be right. This word train actually goes back to the concept of parents and children. 
train up your child in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it. Training is not so much rebuking and correcting as going, let me teach you how to walk out your life. Let me tell you the right path that you need to take. Let me tell you how to stay on the right path. Training shows the correct way. Uh, uh, training shows the correct way, but this, it, before mistakes are even made. The correction is going, how do you fix it? Training goes, before the mistakes are made, how do you stay on the path? Let me put you on the path. And today I think about this concept in my life. I think about the usefulness of God's Word. And I would love to say that every single day I am sensitive to the Holy Spirit to all four of these things. And I'm not. But the Word of God is shaping my life. The Word of God, as I surrender to it, it is useful in my life. And the only way that it's useful is if I get into it on my own. And as we see the statistics, not just to go, okay, I did it four times this week, but to go, God, I want to encounter you today. I want to encounter you today. Lastly, because the Bible is true, it fully equips me. It fully equips me. If you're like me, you're going to make statements like this. But God, I just can't do that. God, I don't know how to do that. God, I'm not bold enough to do that. God, I feel insecure. God, I feel overwhelmed. Anybody ever feel those statements? Anybody ever say those statements? And when I read this passage of Scripture, that it comes and it says, because the Bible's true, it fully equips my life. Verse 17 says this. God uses... Uh, so God uses the word, basically, says, so the, excuse me, I'm trying to find my wording here. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly. Everyone say thoroughly. This is NIV, and this is going to be one of those that I'm going to prefer a different translation rather than NIV in this context. The reason is this. When you actually look at this passage of Scripture, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, when you pull out the Greek contents, context in this verse of Scripture. The writer, Paul, is actually using two words, not one. And the NIV has summed up to thoroughly equipped. To me, it feels like it loses a little bit of its gravity. Why? Because these two words in Greek actually means pre prepared and equipped. How many have the translation? If you have, if you have an ESV or a King James, KJV or a New American Standard, you're going to have prepared and equipped. It says you're prepared and equipped for every good work, beneficial for every moral deed. What I like about the two words here versus the one is somewhere it, I get the thoroughly, the writers here are coming back thoroughly just entirely but I like the word prepared here, meaning that you are made complete. That the Word of God can make you complete. That the Word of God makes you able to accomplish. It prepares you and makes you fitted for use. So when I step back and I think about the Word of God, not only does it benefit me, not only does it make me feel a sense of peace and it shapes my life, 
but the word of God is preparing me for whatever task I have ahead of me. And the word equipped here goes one step further, furnished for service with necessary tools. In other words, God's word furnishes and provides and supplies a believer so that they can live a life that pleases God and honors him. When I think about this idea of furnished for service as a necessary tool, how many know that designers of tools had a purpose for the tool? They created it for a particular purpose and they made money because of that purpose and they find gratitude in someone using their tool for that purpose. Can I tell you today that you and I were designed as tools of God? Yes, there's a corporate purpose for us, but there's a unique purpose for us. And if you're here today going, God, I just want to fulfill purpose in my life. Can I tell you how you fulfill purpose in your life? Get into this book. Get into this book. Because this book is going to declare purpose to you. It's going to prepare you. It's going to make you complete. And it's going to furnish you. It's going to equip you with what you need to accomplish this purpose. God's goal of the Word of God is to prepare you and equip you for every good work. Today, as I close, today I hope I've convinced you that the Bible is relatable and applicable. Today, maybe you already were convinced when you came in this morning. But the question I want to ask you is this. How important is finishing well? How important is it to you that you finish well? Finish what, Kevin? Finish your race with God. How important is it that you fulfill your purpose on this planet that God has placed you on? I want to declare today that you cannot finish well on a casual relationship with Scripture. If you want to finish well, you need to listen to God's Word. You need to read God's Word. You need to devote, your, devote time in a commentary to God's Word. You need to find a way to take, that's going to take you deeper in life. Pastor Kevin, that's such an extreme statement. Can I tell you today, you will not in this, on this planet accomplish, accomplish your purpose for God if you're not into His book. You just can't. It's relatable. It's applicable. It's useful. Everyone say useful. It's useful. Our hope, our challenge is that you would prioritize it, that you would get into it, that you would hear it, that you would read it, that you would study it, that you'd memorize it, that you'd meditate on it, that you would live in it. If you do these things, you will finish well. Not only will you finish well, you're going to run well. People are going to be able to look at your life and you're going to be able to give hope, not because you're perfect, because you're going to still make blunders, but you're going to have words of instruction and, and direction for their lives. Heavenly Father, across this room this morning, God, I am so thankful for your word. Would you thank him for the word in your life? Would you just grab your Bibles with me? Let's hold them close to our hearts if you have them. I wish it was as simple and as this process just so God would you impart it into my life. 
God, today as we hold these books, these sacred letters, these sacred words, God, I'm thankful for all that you have done to communicate to humanity. And thank you for the journey that you have put in this book that we can follow and that we can see. God, I thank you for the stories of the Old Testament that show us human life characters that failed and succeeded and some recovered and some never did. But God, we can look at them and we can see that there is application and ability to relate to those stories. God, I thank you for the New Testament where we can see the lives of men and women that walked out their Christianity after the salvation of Jesus. God, I thank you today that we can look at the Gospels and we can see the life of our Savior. We can see the words that he spoke. We can see the instruction that he gave. And God, today, I pray that those stories that from the old to the new, God, those letters, those prophecies, those historical accounts, God, would you help us to give room to those things in our life? God, would you create in us a greater hunger and a greater thirst, not just to accomplish four days a week, but God, to allow the Word of God to shape our lives. God, that we would not just learn it, but that we would be convinced about it. God, that we would be able to allow it to be useful in our lives. And God, as a result of our lives being changed, may our testimony help somebody else. God, as we learn the process of reading your word, God, would you help us to disciple someone else to read your word? And God, today we just thank you. We thank you that it's relatable and applicable to our lives. God, shape us, shape our convictions, shape our attitudes, shape our lives. And God, we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you're here today and you need someone to pray with you, our prayer team is around the front at this moment. We encourage you to let them pray with you pray over you, whatever it might be. Remember, there's a lot of activities that are coming right around the corner. If you haven't registered for the fun run yet, make sure you do so. Uh, There's a lot of other things that are happening. Just stay aware on our church app. And we are so thankful you're here today. Hopefully you'll have a fantastic fourth and we'll see you next Sunday. God bless. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.